Hello and welcome to The Sharpening Report. I am your host, Josh Peck. Tonight we welcome returning guest Carl Gallops to talk about his new book, The Summoning, Preparing for the Coming Days of Noah. Carl, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Josh Peck, I'm doing great, man. Thank you for having me. And uh, as I said off air, and I'll tell you again, give your precious family my love. I, I, I miss being around you guys, but uh, it's great to be on air with you right now. Yeah, absolutely. It's great to talk to you again. Always is. And of course, uh, you know, give your give the best to your family as well from us. Um, this book is phenomenal. And uh, you're, you're welcome. And thank you for sending me uh, an advanced copy of this. Uh, it's called The Summoning, as I mentioned before. Uh, easily one of your best. Uh, where did that title come from, The Summoning? Where, where did that title come from? What thank does you. it mean? Yeah, actually, it came from Psalm 50, the first six verses. I don't have it right in front of me. I can paraphrase it. But basically, it's where it speaks of the Lord God in this. Listen, I, I just want to say to your audience, and I know you know this because you've read the book or, or at least, you know, deeply uh, understand it. This book is about this time that we're living in. It makes sense of it. It tells you why it happened where it's going, what we do in the midst of it, how, how we live this out, and and it gives you the whole big biblical picture of what in the world is going on. And so the summoning, the title, as you just asked, comes from Psalm 50, the first six verses. And to paraphrase it, 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 it says the Lord God sits in heaven. He summons the earth and everything under the earth. And and to a lot of people and a lot of scholars, that that, that speaks of the demonic outpouring of the last days, the abyss being open, the angel having the key to the abyss, and everything on earth and under the earth he summons to his throne. And the, and the whole picture is for the day of judgment. The day of judgment is coming. But in the middle of that ominous uh, warning uh, is this, and then he says, I'm summoning the heavens, I'm summoning the earth, I'm summoning everything unto me for judgment. He says, however, listen to these words, Gather my consecrated ones unto me, those who have made themselves pure by the sacrifice. Wow. Wow. Well, I mean, that's a lot of people see there. That's almost either a picture of the rapture and or just the, the gathering of God's people as we are separated out, the sheep from the goats and this great judgment that's coming. So in, in, in anyway, that's where it comes from. Now, you know, I spent 10 years in Florida law enforcement in two different sheriff's offices under th three different sheriffs and criminal investigations and patrol officer and before being in the ministry. And I've been in the ministry about 35 years now, 34 years in one church as the pastor. Um, so that word summoning, you know, just really, really stuck in my mind. And, and, and as, as I was writing the book, you know, God is summoning. It's a summons from the court, from the judge, from the Supreme Court, from the chief justice of the universe. Yeah, definitely. You, you mentioned, uh, you know, 40 days and nights of rain. And uh, throughout the book, you talk about the days of Noah and the days of Lot. Uh, what do those phrases, days of Noah and days of Lot, mean prophetically? Yeah, thank you. Well, here's the deal. In both cases, when Jesus spoke about that, he threw the little caveat in there, which a lot of people like to quote as though that's all Jesus meant. No, 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 no. This is very important. Thank you for asking. He said, it'll be like the days of Noah in that, and I'm paraphrasing, in that the people ate and drank, went to work, sowed their fields, you know, given in marriage, and right up until the day the flood came and then washed them all away. And the same with the days of Lot. 
they ate and they drank. They were given and taken in marriage. They went to the fields. They went to the markets. Right up until the day fire came from heaven. Now, a lot of times people look at that and they say, well, well, what's the big deal? There's, not, there's nothing sinful about those activities. See, God's not pointing out the sin. Oh, oh, yes, he is. The whole reason God pushed the reset button in the days of Noah, it starts in Genesis 6 and goes right on down, the wickedness that filled, that filled the land. And I write about all the details of that in the book. And the same thing with Lot, the wickedness that filled it. But in the middle, he had his people, Noah and his family, Lot and his family. But the point is, the characteristic was this. The reason Jesus throws the caveat in about eating and drinking and giving in marriage and going to work and going to the market and all this buying and selling. He's showing that the prevailing attitude of the planet in both of those situations was, ah, everything goes on as usual. Maybe we'll get a new president next year. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe we can get a better Congress next year. Uh, it'll be fine. Everything's going to be good. Uh, by the way, uh, let's, we got work to do. We got this to do. And I tell Christians, look, you got to pay the bills. You got to mow the grass. You got to educate your children. You have to plan for the future. I'm not a date setter. You're not a date setter. You and I are not overly sensational. In other words, we are sensational because the Word of God's sensational. Yeah. And 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 we're living in sensational sensational times. But we don't. I know you don't, and I certainly don't either. We don't try to make more of it than what it is. Right. We just call it what it is. We examine it. We examine the various interpretations of it, and then we move forward. And we watch. Well, that's what Jesus is saying. For those of us, Noah, what did he do in his family? Well, I'm sure they ate and drank. I'm sure they were given and taken in marriage. I'm sure they went to weddings in town and funerals and everything. They bought and sold. They went to the markets. Uh, Lot and his family had to do the same thing. So that's not a sign of condemnation on God's people. But it is a sign of condemnation on the unbelievers because they were so attached to the world, had their arms around the world, that they missed the prophets of God, Lot and Noah, who were saying, please don't do this. Please don't do this. Please repent. Noah had a ship the size of an aircraft carrier in his backyard. And he had 120 years he was preaching. And the people mocked him. They called him a conspiracy theorist. They said he was a nut until the day the rain started, and then it was too late. And that's what Jesus is saying. Same, like, like Lot, they were trying to have, of all things, sex with angels. Well, that harkens back maybe to the days of Noah with that controversial passage, but you and I have written about it a lot. The sons of God came unto the daughters of men and had children by them. Well, if that means what it, it looks like it means, if that means what we think it means, if, if, if that means what a lot of scholars think it means, then there's sex with angels or something really wicked happening there with the human race and the angelic race, uh, the fallen ones. Um, so th that's, that's, that's the characteristics. And Jesus said it'd be just like that. So we look at the days we're in now, technology's through the roof for the first time in history. Israel's back in the land for the first time in 2,800 years of prophecy, 72 years old, that's all. Jerusalem is now the capital again. That only happened under Trump just a couple of years ago. That was a huge prophecy that had to be fulfilled. 2,800-year-old um, prophecy, it's fulfilled. Technology, what's been done in secret is now being shouted from the rooftops. Gee, rooftops. Uh, 
signals from satellites, internet, antennas, everything you do is shouted to the world. Everything on the internet, everything you say, it's gathered, information is gathered, and everything done in secret is now coming out. These are the times we're living. The summoning is happening. The snapping occurred when 2020 turned the corner. We're now into 2021. And it's really ramping up, brother. I have a lot more I want to ask you, but before uh, we get to that, where can people pick up your book and uh, follow you online? Okay, the book is published by Defender Publishing, and it's available anywhere good books are sold. Um, you can get them at the brick-and-mortar stores, big-box stores. You can get them on Amazon, Books A Million, uh, Barnes & Noble. You can get them from me personally. I will sign it, and if you're in the United States, I will send it to you uh, uh, free shipping. Um, and and it, you won't get a better deal anywhere in, as far as price, so I'm not jacking the prices up. You can get package deals from me. You can get multiple books, and we'll do that. We can get bulk deals for you. You can get them from Defender Publishing, the same thing. They've got bulk and package deals, so almost any way you want to do it. But the easiest way to start is to go to my website, carlgallops.com. And from there, it'll send you to Defender or Amazon or to me. I've got an email, a phone number there. You can get a hold of me, and we'll get you what you need. And plus, I've got sermons archived, and we live stream our worship services and everything. Everything at my name, carlgallops.com. Fantastic. And we'll make sure that we put those links in the description below. A lot of opinions are split on this. Do you believe that the flood was a global worldwide flood or do you believe it was uh, just a local kind of thing? And, and does it matter prophetically? Yeah, you know what? Thank you for asking me that. I, I spend probably five or six chapters on this topic alone. And again, my chapter is only five pages each, so don't panic. People say, <laughs> man, four, five 40-page chapters? Why, how, how thick is this book? No, I have five or six chapters, but it's filled with, with renowned scholarship, both ancient and modern. I mean, right into our day. And as well as I compare scripture to scripture and and just science and archaeology, here's the fact. Let me just lay this out. To to I'm like a lawyer. I'm building a case, and then I'll I'll come to the closing argument. Bottom line is, there is evidence all over the world for something catastrophic that happened in our ancient past. Mm -hmm. I mean. It, it is indisputable. I mean, this comes from archaeological websites, from scientific websites. Now, they loathe to speak about the flood of the Bible. They hate that that's there because that means they might have to be accountable to the Word of God right. based upon what they're actually finding. So they've got all kinds of gyrations they go through to try to explain it away. And I deal with all this in the book, and I'm not going to bore your listeners with every detail now. But the bottom line is... You cannot deny the existence, not just of a few seashells and shark teeth on top of mountains. I'm talking about whole cliffs and walls and seabeds and miles and miles, hundreds of miles of desert where there are, there are shoals and, and, and um, uh, reefs uh, uh, under the dirt, uh, oyster shells that are as big as your desktop. Uh, I mean, it's it's unbelievable the things that skeletons and piled up animals and fish piled up in a pile, um, you know, almost whole in the skeletons all over the world. These things occur on top of every mountain range, the highest mountains you can think of. There are things that ought to be on the ocean bottoms. 
And and so, you know, there are only a few possible explanations for this. And one of them is that everything you see used to be on the ocean bottoms and underwater. Well, you know, the Bible says that. In fact, the book of Isaiah and the book of Psalms says it. I've got it quoted. And, and God's words. Now, how could they have known this back then? That all over the world, on top of every mountain. But, but yet the word of God says that... Yes, and in the days when the when the when the heavens were opened and the deep opened up its springs, you know, that the mountains of the earth, you know, when the waters receded that they came up from the bottoms of the oceans. And I mean it's even the Bible speaks of this cataclysmic shifting somehow. You know, our own geologists and scientists now speak of uh, uh, Pangaea and the the continental drift and something amazing happened, you know. Well, yeah. So so but and just recently, and I quote these, there have been all kinds of National Geographic and Historical Channel and Science Channel and Discovery Channel in search of Noah's Ark. Was there really a flood? And I've got all this documented where the, the top scientists of the world, the top archaeologists say, yeah, in the Bible lands, there was a huge flood. And they, they talk about the cities and the and, and, and the villages and stuff that they're finding at the bottom of the, I think it's the Black Sea and some of these places over there. And, and, the, and, and then as they excavate down more along the, 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 the Fertile Crescent and in the valleys and, and, and the riverbeds, they're finding all this stuff. And they're saying, there's no doubt there was some cataclysmic flood in this area. And then they say, but that's probably what's described as the flood of Noah. Um, you know, if if that that's if that's not just a myth, or, or maybe that's where that myth came from, they would say. Um, and and then they start talking about you know, but that would have been a local regional thing. Well, <laughs> okay, but if the whole Earth basically was populated in that area at the time, then to their world, the whole Earth was flooded. I mean. <laughs> Everything that had breath died, okay, if that's the case. So, but the point is, and, and I show all of this in the book, I'm sorry, I just need to get to the, to the overall point that, that the, the evidence appears that's, that it was global. But there are some areas on the earth, there are archaeologically, where we have not discovered any sign of a flood in those areas. So that's what leads a lot of archaeologists to say, well, a lot of cataclysmic floods have occurred over the ages, but probably not a flood that covered the whole earth. Well, what I do with the book is I say, look, in the long run, now I want your listeners to hear me, this is not blasphemy. The scholars agree, science agrees, the Word of God agrees. I do the word studies to show you. It doesn't really matter if it truly was a flood that we think of that covers everything. In other words, there's a big ball of water floating around in space now. You, there's no land to be seen. If it was that or not, the point is, God said, I'm going to destroy everything that has breath, and I know where everything that has breath is living. It, 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 on, because here's the thing. I show that there are what, what the scientists call flood stories, flood myths, several hundred of them all over the globe. They span the cultures. They span the languages. They span – and I mean – and not all of them are exactly identical to Genesis and the Noah, but a ton of them are. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, they speak of a man and his family who built a boat and got animals and it came to rest on top of a mountain. Of course, the Hawaiian tale, the, the, it rested on a Hawaiian mountain, you know, uh, but, but I forgot what his name is. I've got it in there. It's very similar to Noah and everything. And, there, and a rainbow appears. Of course, Hawaii's got a lot of rainbows, but, you know, but that, but that story is, is thousands of years old. And, and all over the world. And I, and I show that even the scientists agree. And so they try to explain that. I show one top scientist that just recently was on Discovery Channel or something. And he said, well, here's what happened. He said, these stories developed uh, over time because uh, people were having dreams uh, and, and they were dreaming of a flood, but then they woke up and realized they just had to use the bathroom. <laughs> I promise you, this was on TV recently, and all the scientists went, oh, that's that's so brilliant. Yes, well, the reason it wasn't somebody had to urinate, (laughs) and the whole world was having pee-pee dreams, it... No, they'll believe that, that but they won't. They won't even consider the Bible. <laughs> that's my point. So I, I go into this deep word study of the words used, where because I know some people are listening, saying, "But my Bible says everything over the face of the earth." I, I know, but actually, I show the Bible study that it doesn't say the word "earth" is not there. It just says over the face, and and so when you look at it. And even the word earth, there's two words that's used for earth, Adama and Eretz, and both of those are like we use the word earth, and it's all up to the context. In other words, I could say, man, that train came by me, I was out in the woods and I was camping, and I felt the earth move. Well, did I really feel the whole earth move? <laughs> no, but in my world I did. Yeah. Okay? Okay? Or I could say, you know... Uh, I, 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 I fell down. That guy hit me so hard when I was playing football. Son, I ate the earth. You know, well, really? You ate the earth? No, we're speaking of the soil or where we are. And so the Hebrew words do the very same thing. So it's very difficult. You have to go by context. And so the context at least says everywhere there was life and everywhere God wanted to, he covered it in water and killed everything except for Noah and the animals that God brought to the ark. That's another interesting uh, thing that we can talk about sometime. Uh, Noah didn't go get those animals. God brought them. He said, I know which ones I'm bringing. And people say, why would he do that? I think it has something to do when God said all flesh had become corrupt, except for Noah and his family. And Noah, I'm going to bring the animals to you I want you to preserve. I think God knows the DNA makeup of everything. It's his, it's his computer code. He, he invented it. So I think he chose the animals that were not corrupt, and he chose the humans that were not corrupt. He put them on the ark, and he preserved it. So anyway, I, nobody will – if they read all those chapters, I don't think anybody will think it's heresy. I mean I go cover the whole gamut. And plus I say – and I want your audience to know this. I mean this. Whenever I preach it or teach it, if I'm just preaching before an audience, I preach it was a literal global worldwide flood. In the English, it says that. But in the Hebrew, it doesn't have to mean that. But I want Christians to know you don't have to freak out if somehow science proves that it was not a literal ball of water floating around in space for a year and a half. Um, it doesn't matter. It, it, there was a flood, and it destroyed everything that had breath except for Noah and the, and the animals on the ark. Whatever was on the world at that time, and God knew where it was and, and how to take care of it. So anyway— 
Yeah, definitely. I, I know we only have about 10 minutes left, but before we go, I wanted to ask you this because I've, I've always been interested in this and this, this is uh, uh, something I've written about as well. And I, I think you and I uh, have uh, reached similar conclusions to this. What is your opinion on the uh, fig tree generation, uh, prophetically speaking? Listen, I thank you. Man, you're asking me such good questions. I appreciate it. Um, I love preaching and teaching this when I have time, and I don't have time to preach it all out, but it's in the book, and I've got everything referenced. I'm just going to get to the talking points. Some people are going to disagree because they've never heard it, or they think, well, I don't think it means that. It does, <laughs> and I'm not being arrogant. I'm just saying the word studies bear it out, the context, everything Jesus said before it, and what he said after, and what has happened, and how it ties to the Old Testament prophecies bears it out, and dozens and dozens of renowned scholars bear it out. When Jesus on the Olivet Discourse said to his disciples, they said, tell us the signs of the end. Right after he, he got all the way down to the abomination causes desolation and the times of tribulation and people being persecuted, he says, but immediately after the days of that tribulation, the Son of Man will call to his angels and they will gather his elect from the four corners of the earth. And then he says, learn the lesson of the fig tree. Well, just very quickly, the reason he said that and the reason his disciples understood it is because that morning on the way up, he on the way to Jerusalem, he had cursed a fig tree. Now, that doesn't mean he cursed it out. It mean, you know, he, he had called down a curse on it. And the fig tree, those Jews knew. I, I, I show in the scriptures, I've got about 20 scriptures in the Old Testament where Israel is called a fig tree. Yeah. And so, so. He used the fig tree there to show that here he had come to Israel and there was no fruit on it. And so he put his judgment on it and the tree withered up and died. Now that night he's sitting on the Mount of Olives answering their question about the last days. And he says, well, first, he says, I can tell you the very last days. Learn the lesson of that fig tree. When it blooms again, when it puts out its shoots and finally is bearing fruit to the world, that generation that sees that will not pass away until all of these things that I've just told you come to pass. Now, that's my short version, and I know some people watching are saying, oh, that's not the way I learned it. You've got that wrong. I promise you I don't. And I'm not trying to say I'm Mr. Smarty Pants. I'm not. I just know I've done deep word studies. I've tied together the parables, the Old Testament, the New Testament, what Jesus said. I've gone to renowned scholars all over the world, even modern scholars, who say, yes, he was talking about the return of Israel. Now, that means Jesus used the return of Israel as the stopwatch. I'm wearing a stopwatch right now. As a stopwatch. 72 years have gone by. Now, I don't set dates. When people say, well, oh, okay, so a generation is 70 or 80 years. Well, that's one definition of a generation. Um, another one is 100 years, because after 100 years, the whole that whole generation is mm -hmm. gone, and another generation's there. Sometimes a generation is spoken of in the term of 40. I've been at my church like 40 years. Well, when I came there, let's, uh, 34, but let's just say 40. When I came there 40 years ago, there were little children um, – that are now grown with grandkids of their own. Uh, I birthed them. I married the kids and then their kids. And then, you, you know, in the 40 years I've been there, I've watched two or three generations come through. So no one really knows. That's why Jesus said, it's not for you to know the day or the hour. He said, I'm just telling you, that generation that sees, right, you were not born in 1948. Neither was I. 
yet it is still our generation in which the fig tree has bloomed. We're watching it. We're living in it. When I was born in 1955, then that nation had only been around, you know, 13 years. So, uh, you, you know, so, so, or 17 years, I think. So the, the point is that, but all my life, there it is. I've never known anything but Israel there, but it's a teeny small time that it's been there. And when it was, when it bloomed, the world watched it on black and white television. That was the technology of the day on three major networks. If you could get your wife to go out and twist the antenna outside and pick up one of them, you might get one. (laughs) And then the news you saw was about three days delayed. Because somebody had to go over there and take video, then they had to fly back or get on a, on, on a ship, then they had to develop the film, then they had to get it edited, then they had to get it on TV, then they had to ha- hope that somebody's wife was around turning the thing so that people could see it. I mean, that was the technology of the day. In 72 short years, we went from that to what we're doing now. That's, that's it, the fig tree. It's all about Israel. It's not about the United States. I keep trying to tell people that. It's not. Has God used us? Yes, but he used Babylon. He used Assyria. He used Persia. He used Rome. That's the, 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 the empire he chose to bring his Christ into and for the crucifixion, from birth to crucifixion. He used Rome. Does that mean that Rome was this wonderful blessing from God's throne and everybody there was godly? No, but he's used them. America and but it's not about America it's about Israel that's ground zero I wrote the book gods of ground zero it's all about Jerusalem and Israel the garden of Eden Satan stealing it God getting it back that's why Jesus put his whole ministry of the last the last right in Jerusalem preached there spoke there beaten there crucified there resurrected there uh, uh, ascended from there, at coming back to there, putting his feet on the Mount of Olives. I mean, it's all about Jerusalem and Israel. And that time clock started 72 years ago. The fig tree bloomed. That's what that parable was about. And right after he told that parable, then he said, and also don't forget, it will be just like the days of Noah in that generation. Thus my book. Amen. Yeah, definitely. There's so much more that we could talk about. But before we head out, could you give a word of encouragement and perspective for yeah. today's church? I, I will. And I and I do that in the book, too. I end it that way. Believe it or not, it's not it's not all <laughs> doom and gloom. And for the born again believers, not doom and gloom. In fact, the past there are several passages of scripture. And I end it with what I call a little prologue. And all it is is scripture. You turn the page, it says prologue. And it's and it's a scripture, about four paragraphs. But but it says Therefore, what do we say about these days? We should encourage each other with these words. We should take heart because these days are coming. And we've, we've not been appointed to God's wrath. Lot lived in the midst of horrible tribulation. Noah lived in the midst of horrible tribulation. But they weren't appointed for God's wrath. When God pushed the button in Noah's day, he put them safely in the ark, lifted them above it. When he brought down fire from heaven, he sent angels into Sodom and Gomorrah, got Lot and his family and got them out. Then his wrath came, and what God did was he preserved his children in the midst of it. And watch this. Peter writes about that in Second Peter. He uses those two examples. He says, if God knew how to take care of Noah in his day, because see, Peter just finished writing about the fire coming from heaven and the heaven burning up and melting, the elements melting with a roar. But then he says, but pray, speed the coming of that day. 
You know, well, why? Because I tell people the end of all things doesn't mean the end of life. It means the end of all this filth we're living in, all this corruption and wickedness and the stuff that gives us high blood pressure and heart attacks. It'll be gone. All things made new, new heaven, new earth. Um, No more crying, no more pain, no more death, no more mourning, no more disease, no more pandemics. It's gone. And Jesus Christ rules and we rule and reign with him. Right. And so the Bible says, encourage each other with this. If you see the day drawing nigh. So I see what's going on in the world. I write about it. I preach it. I teach it. Now I'm I'm trying to live it in faith. I'm not running from fear. I'm not going to let the spirit of fear overwhelm my life. I'm just going to keep going, keep going through every door that God opens. I'm going to preach the word. I'm going to encourage God's people, pay the bills, mow the grass. You don't know the day or the hour, but, and plan for the future. You might need a retirement account if the Lord delays. You don't know just But keep your eyes on Jesus and know that we're living in prophetic times. Do not deny the faith. Do like Paul. Fight the fight. Finish the race. Keep the faith. Because there is a new day coming. All right. Well, we do have a lot more to talk about with Carl Gallup's controversial things that will uh, cause YouTube to delete this video promptly. So we'll have to save it for members only. So if you're watching this right now, head on over to dailyrenegade.com and get a membership. Right now, we're offering a seven-day free trial. So you can try it out before you buy. No obligation whatsoever. So there's no excuse to miss the rest of this interview. Uh, You'll also get early access to full episodes of all five of our current shows, plus many more on the way, hundreds of videos All things that you cannot find anywhere else uh, because, again, they have been deemed too controversial in our oversensitive world of censorship. So go ahead and show our social media overlords that you do not need to be coddled and protected from the Bible and come join the family. Get a membership at dailyrenegade.com today. If you already have a membership, hang on the line. we got a lot more to talk about. Everyone else, thank you so much for joining us, and until next time, take care and God bless.